Hey, I'm Matt Simpkins, pastor of Christ South, and this is our podcast. Thanks for listening. I hope this builds you up. I hope this helps you in your faith. I hope this helps you to see God at work. We'll see you at the end of the podcast. Awesome. Peace be with you. Man, that's like my favorite part of worship service, whenever you get a chance to kind of be together. And it feels so weird to not be together. So I echo what Jessica said. If you get a chance, text somebody this morning, just peace be with you. Jesus loves you. I'm thinking about you. Something like that. Just find somebody you got on your uh, on your call list, man. Just flip through the contacts and, 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 and pick a couple of folks to just say hello to. It feels good to have somebody reach out to you. And especially right now, I think that there's a lot of folks that we're finding that are, that are in the midst of anxiety and lots of depression has kicked in for a lot of people. So this is a real time to take a minute and make sure and reach out to those that you love and those that God's put in your circle. Remember a few weeks ago, maybe it was a month ago now, we talked about serve your circle, right? Think of those people that that God has put in your your life. So, <clears throat> well, I hope you had an awesome fourth. I'm going to ask you to text. I think I was going to ask you to text me all kinds of cool stuff, and French has got that going. So, so I want to see those things as they come in. Uh, French, you got to yell them out to me, man, as people are telling you their, their awesome uh, 4th of July stories. Uh, we want to make sure we hear about those awesome things. I hope you had a fantastic time. We're starting a new sermon series today called Captive Free. It's an exciting new sermon series where we, we really think about what does it mean to be free? What is freedom ultimately really look like. And we're going to look at it from a couple of different ways. And um, I hope that you'll join us on this sermon series by... um by checking out the website and the, and the things that we've got going on. We've got, we got on our website, if you go to our ChristELCA.org, they've got a little place where you can see what that sermon series is all about. So you can actually read some scripture coming up of the things that are coming up each and every week. But we're thinking about what freedom is and what it's all about. And we're going to start uh, back in Exodus. And so I invite you to get your Bible out. I'm going to be reading from the NIV this morning. I'm going to start at, the, uh, at chapter 3 and talk a little bit about the call of Moses. But before I do that, before I do that, I want to spend a little bit of time talking about chapters one and two. Uh, Surprise, surprise for our tech team. You don't have to put the scripture up quite yet. We're looking a little bit back to see what the story of this guy was all about. The story is about Moses, and it's about the call of Moses, and what ultimately that God is calling Moses to do. But we've got to remember a little bit about where he came from. This is the this is the story, right? You remember of the baby put in the basket. This was Moses who was put in the basket, and, and Pharaoh's daughter comes, and she's going to bathe in the Nile, and here comes Moses in the water. He's stuck over in the reeds, and so, so Pharaoh's daughter feels feel sorry for this baby, and she's going to sort of decides to take care of it, but also goes and finds this Hebrew woman to nurse this baby. It also happens to be Moses' mom. It's this crazy story. Like, you can't make these things up. They're so crazy that Moses was taken in and cared for like an Egyptian. So he had everything that he needed. He was raised up in that group. And there was one day in chapter 2 where he was out and he knew that he was of the Hebrew people. And he saw somebody just striking and beating down this Hebrew person. Now, at this time, the Hebrews were slaves to the Egyptians. And so there was a massive amount of time. I think the Bible talks about 400 years. That really just means a really, really, really long time of being enslaved by another people. And he saw this Hebrew man was getting beaten down. And he went and he killed the man that was beating on his fellow Hebrew. And he buried him in the sand and hoped that no one knew, but people figured it out. And people got upset with him, and actually he had to flee, and Pharaoh was even going to try to kill him. And it's just crazy story that leads us to this point where Moses in chapter 3 is now out walking and walking with a bunch of sheep in the middle of nowhere. That's what's going on when we hit chapter 3. 
So here we go. Now, Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. All right, so important things to note. He's, he's way, way far away. He's way off in the midst of the wilderness. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. All right, let's just, let's just stop again. I'm going to stop a bunch in the scripture, so just, just get ready. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna walk through this. But imagine you're going about your day. This is what he's kind of doing now. This is just Moses' regular life. He's just going through his regular life. Now, I don't know what your regular life is like. It's probably a whole lot weirder now than it used to be. But imagine like your life pre-COVID, and you're like going to work, or you're going to school, or you're going to kind of do the random things that you would normally do during the day. And you walk out to either get in your car, or to get on the bus, or, 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 and all of a sudden, there is this bush that's on fire. Or like this flame is like resting in it, but it's not actually burning up. I could say that I would be a little freaked out and wondering what the heck is going on. Moses' response might be the best response to anything like this in the entirety of Scripture. So Moses thought, this is verse 3. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. <laughs> Why this bush doesn't burn up. Let me go and check out this thing. That's exactly what you would say as you were walking to your car and all of a sudden the bush in front of your house is on fire and you would say, hmm, let me go and look at this bush. I think there's some sort of problem with the translation. I think he was probably more like, oh my goodness, what the heck is going on? What is happening? All of a sudden, his reality gets stopped in its tracks. Everything in this moment going forward is going to be different for not only Moses, but for all of God's people right here, right in this moment. And when the Lord saw them, that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. The story that was weird gets even weirder because now this flame has a voice. That which stopped him in his tracks wasn't just some random combustion happening around him, but it was something more, something holy and completely other. So much so that Moses uses the words that we hear all the way through Scripture. Here I am. I'm here. Here I am. God said, don't come any closer. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Now, I've read through this scripture for years, and it really only hit me a few years ago what I think is really going on here. So I think when we read this, a lot of times we think about being super reverent, right? You know, here at Christ South, we're super reverent with our clothing, uh, we, we wear, <laughs> we dress up on our Sunday best or like we would do any, like this, I'd dress like this going to Target probably, <laughs> but like we're reverent, right? I mean, like we, we have to step up our game and that's what church is all about. You got to be reverent. There's no messing around at church. You can't, you can't jump around or talk too much or you get the, anybody have a parent or a grandparent that would pinch you if you were like out of sorts at church, right? You got to be reverent. Don't you come any closer. You got sandals on. And I thought for the longest time, this is exactly what's going on. Moses has been watching sheep, all right? Walk with me here, or maybe don't, because you're going to have to step over stuff if you're following sheep. Are you with me? His sandals are probably gross. I'm like, okay, sure. So he would have to take off his sandals before he came close to the holy place, just like you were if you were going into the church. You would make sure that your tie was on. You'd make sure that you're looking right. You'd make sure that you didn't step in anything funky when you walked into church. 
Sure, that's what it means. Get the mud off your shoes. You're coming into a holy place. But no, I think it's something even greater than all of that. And I didn't really know about it until I had, um, until my wife and I had, our son Copeland. This is a few years ago now. But it was a strange occurrence because the nurse came in and she was super intense. And she was like, 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 uh, like everything was very cut and dry. And like, she did not like my jokes. Although that's, that's sort of a lot of people. So maybe she's in a bigger camp than I thought. But anyway, she didn't like my jokes. And she was very matter of fact. But she told me, she was like, when we have the baby, uh, you need to take your shirt off. <laughs> I'm like, all right, I didn't know it was that kind of party in the hospital. That's something I wasn't expecting, but all right, I'll go with it. But what they did was something so different. Now, used to, when you'd have a baby, at least my first child, they'd pick Ashton up, they'd take him over to this little heat lamp thing like he's a bunch of French fries at the Burger King, and they've got him working on him, they're wiping him down, they're doing all this stuff to him, and they, 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 they're sticking this little thing into his face and getting all this stuff out of him. Now, I don't even know what's happening. Then they wrap him up, and all of a sudden he comes to us, this clean little bundle of blanket. He's like a little jelly bean. And they would give him to us, and we would, uh, we'd be so excited, and he was cooing, and it was wonderful, and everybody said, ah, no, no, not so, not anymore, because now they do skin on skin time, which means that Copeland came out, goo and funk and all, boom, little wipe down maybe, but straight onto mom's chest, and they do this now because it's this medically proven thing that this is a really important time of bonding between parents and child. And it actually said that there's like antibodies that the baby needs that come from mom's skin. Like what a beautiful, natural, incredible thing that that is. And I'm standing there watching with my shirt off like this, you know, in, in the room. I'm trying to suck in so nobody sees it. <laughs> Got to make sure I look good. All these people in the room, my shirt off. And, they, and after a little while, she looks at me and she goes, okay, man, your turn. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I know what to do. And I sat down and they put Copeland on my chest too. And I brought him in close, and she comes over to me, and she says, feel your heartbeat. I'm like, um, yeah, yeah, my heart's kind of racing. She says, no, it's in sync. I'm like, like, like the band? Like, ain't no lie. No, it was in sync. I'll leave you for a second. Now you've got that stuck in your head for the rest of the sermon. But our hearts, Copeland's heart and my heart, were beating in sync together. It was the craziest thing I had ever had happen in my life was the skin on skin time. I think verse five is about intimacy, not about reverence. It's about removing the barriers that were in the way between God's full presence in this holy ground and Moses' skin. God wanted skin-on-skin time with Moses to pull him in close so their hearts could sink up. And that right there is one of the most beautiful beginnings to a story of call we could ever even imagine. But it doesn't even stop there. As you know, the story of Moses goes on, and it's an incredible story of what happens of God's people being taken out of the hand of Pharaoh and his armies. Verse 6. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face 
because he was afraid to look at God. What an amazing moment of Moses realizing what in the world was going on when he saw the bush before and said, not I wonder what this is happening here. This is an interesting sight. Let me go and look. No, what in the world is happening? And now you see that he knows. This is the God of all creation who's drawn him in close, touching him, because he's got a very important task for him to do. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. Some of the other translations translate that, I think, even better. But God is hurting for God's people. It said right at the end of chapter 2 that God heard the cries of his people, knowing what kind of hurt that they were in, and God was concerned. See, God hears our cries. God hears the cries of God's people all the time. And the beauty in that is knowing that it's not some absentee God that sits around going, oh man, they're just moaning again. This is the God that sends rescue. This is the God that meets us. And in this particular place, sends us as well. And through this process, he gives probably the most intimate part of who God is, and that God gives Moses God's name. I am who I am. Such a beautiful moment. And I think as I see this in scripture, I think, man, that's just really cool. That's like movie-esque kind of stuff right there. I mean, dude's in a basket, then he kills a person, somehow flees and escapes. He's watching sheep, and all of a sudden God pulls him in, and now he's going to go talk to Pharaoh. Crazy stuff. Like, there's just no way that I could be a part of that. And you know why? Because I'm not as good as Moses. I, I don't have the things put together like Moses did. I wasn't nearly as cool and as, as well-spoken as Moses. And then all of a sudden, when you read the scripture, you realize that Moses was completely imperfect, that he didn't speak well, that he wasn't great with doing the words. <laughs> he didn't always know what to say. He, 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 he wasn't the, the most eloquent, nor, nor did he have like the greatest history. I mean, this is a man who killed another person because he was hurting someone else. I mean, yeah, there's a beauty in maybe taking out the bully, but it was still wrong. He shouldn't have killed this person necessarily, right? He was a, he's a murderer. And yet God chose him still. Flash forward to Mark. All the way up into the very first chapter of Mark. Mark is such a great book in the Bible because it's like, it's like really fast. It moves really quick. One, boom, bam, bam. This is what happens. We're moving to the next thing. There's John was here in chapter one. John is gone by chapter two. He's gone, right? All of a sudden, we've got Jesus that appears in here and it goes so quick. And I love this story. As we read in Mark, we're looking at Mark chapter one, verse 16 through 20. Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, and he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Cool, makes sense. Going about their daily thing, right? This is for them, was their daily routine. We go, we fish, we bring the fish home, we sell the fish, we go back the next day, and we fish again. Every day, fish, stinky fish, pretty fish, ugly fish, body fish, <laughs> fish. And then Jesus happens to them. It says in the next verse, come, follow me. Jesus said, I will send you out to fish for people. 
At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. More fishermen every day. Fish, big fish, little fish, stinky fish, slimy fish, fish every day. And then Jesus happened. Without delay, he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat and the hired men and followed Jesus. This is the word of the Lord to which we say, thanks be to God. There's a few things to note here as well. We think about call and what it means to be called. They're in the midst of their everyday. It's not some big grand show, but Jesus meets them in the now. And I think so often we think that like our calling from God is going to be this movie-esque sort of lightning strike sort of thing. But the way that God works on us sometimes is just little bit by little bit. If you've ever seen a stonemason work on a stone to bring it into the shape that it's supposed to be, it's not these huge chunks that make it into what it's supposed to be. It's the little ones. It's the little pieces that come off every single day to make it into what it's going to be so that it can serve its greater purpose and that every stone is a part of usually something much bigger and greater and that attention to detail that God has with us is not some big grand show but it's God working with us whispering to us speaking to us every single day he meets them in the now and then the craziest thing of all happens. They left their livelihood. They didn't just drop their nets. They dropped the entirety of their livelihood. Everything that they knew how to do, they knew it well. It was go out. They knew where to go. They knew how to get the nets in. They knew how to keep them from breaking. They knew how to bring the fish and where to sell the fish. It was every day. Remember, big fish, little fish, stinky fish, slimy fish, fish. It was in the every day that Jesus met them and said, come follow me. But they had to do something in response. They couldn't carry those nets with them. They had to drop it. They had to let go of what was so they could become a part of what now is and what's going to be. And they were going to be going into something so much greater. Moses was going to be going into something so much greater. Think about what Moses had to do too. What was this Jesus all about? What was, what was it like to be in his presence? Regardless of how beautiful that is, they were called to leave all they knew and follow God into something crazy. I, I was on a vacation this past week, and, um, and underneath uh, the dock where, where we, were, we were, there was a dock there. Underneath, there was, like, um, there was this net. And I don't know where it had come from. I think it came from, like, one of the neighbors maybe down the way, but it was just, like, kind of strewn about. Part of it was in the sand. And I kept thinking about this scripture this week, and every time I saw that net, I kept thinking of, oh, man, that was such, like, that was such a great net. Like, I, maybe I could figure out how to get out of the tangle that it's in or whatever, and I could maybe use Maybe I could catch some fish with it. And so I was like, maybe I'll just figure it out. And then all of a sudden it hit me that that net was such a representation of what was, the fish that it caught in the past. And regardless of whether somebody put it up down on purpose or they just left it somewhere on accident, they were no longer there holding that net. They were off doing something else. What would it have been like to see the nets of those disciples laying on the ground? What would it have been like to be Zebedee? There probably would have been a bit of hurt, a little bit of worry, a little bit of, who you don't know who that is? You can't just go off and follow somebody you don't know? Like, you can't just leave me here with all this? I've only got a few other people here to help me. Like, what am I supposed to do? 
There's a wake in the, when you lay those nets down. Think about Moses. <laughs> Moses had to drop his sheep off somewhere. Or did he? What happened to the sheep? They're out in the middle of the wilderness. But he had to let those things go in order to follow God. I got a net. I've got a net right here. This, this is one of the coolest things that I've ever purchased on Amazon. It's this giant net that you can actually like put over like cargo or things when you're traveling and it'll hold it all down in place. And it's got these little hooks right here. It's, I love it because I can hook these on to anything and the, and the whole thing will just stay in place perfectly. It's just awesome, this fantastic net. Except there's just one problem with it. <laughs> I can never get the thing unraveled. I can never get it untangled. It's like it was made to catch things and hold on to them. And I can't ever, I mean, like, I'm just trying, right? I'm really trying to undo this thing, and I can't even begin to, well, there's a little bit of it, but it's all messed up down here, so I got to put it up on my head to try to get this part out, and I look like a silly person out in my driveway trying to get this thing undone, and here I am, stuck in the net. Again, it gets caught on everything, and I can't even get it off me. It's on the lights. That's what nets do. They catch hold. They keep you in a place that you were. So I'm wondering, church, what's the net? What are the nets that you need to let go of? What's keeping you from moving forward? What's God speaking to you little by little? Where maybe you need to let go of the nets what you know, what's familiar to you and what's easy, what comes naturally, and let God take you on the adventure that God wants to take you. And both stories, they were set free from a past in order to set people free from their present. They were set free from their past in order to set people free from their present situations. Brothers and sisters, this story isn't just about the past. It's about right now. How is God calling you? How's God speaking to you? How is God calling you in to intimacy and closeness to bring your heart in line with the Lord's? How is the Lord then changing your direction? And what, are you, what is the Lord calling you to do next? Brothers and sisters, take your net and drop it. Amen. All right, I hope that was helpful. If so, I ask you a couple of things. One, share this with a friend so that they can hear some good news in their life too. And if you want to continue that impact beyond, we ask that you go to ChristSouth.org to the online giving tab and give to this ministry so that we can continue to share this with others. We'll see you on the next podcast or maybe in person at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings at Polo Ridge Elementary in Charlotte, North Carolina. Blessings and peace. Have an awesome week.